is good everybody my name is jasmine with auto talk with jazz i hope y'all have been having a good week or a couple weeks while y'all been listening to the podcast i hope y'all have been doing what y'all are supposed to which is like subscribing and following and reviewing and answering all the questions and being like the greatest audience that i know that y'all can be if you haven't definitely follow a lot of the people that i have been interviewing give them a thumbs up kind of go over there and show them some love especially um this one here who is an amazing individual she has won awards she's amazing at coaching she has a lot better insight into getting confidence i learn a lot from her about getting confidence with just everything when it comes down to um podcasting when it comes down to my job in the automotive industry and even outside of the industry and being able to know my voice and how important it is to keep my voice um it's just one of those things that we as not only women but I think we as humans forget that our voice is important and that we can make change with our voice so without further ado here is Louise Atherpotty. Azerpotty. Yeah, so I, I think we kind of went over it last time, but basically the one what I wanted to really do with this one was just kind of go over what is it like to be a uh, Kind of the what it seems like the spokesperson of uh, of, uh, of this industry, uh, because even though automotive, like what we do, is kind of different, it's also trades, and a lot of things that people don't realize is how we get viewed in this field. How we get viewed in this industry is very much so different, uh, well, actually, very so similar across the board. Uh, whenever it comes down to trades, a lot of times women aren't really open, you know, uh, invited with open arms. It's one of those things where we kind of have to work eight times as hard to to kind of get that respect that we we worked so hard for. And then even when we get it, you know, at that point, it's like, did we actually like, do we feel like we still who want the job that we worked so hard for to, you know, and it's, I feel like we both have gone through parts of our field where we were just like, do we really, really (laughs) want to continue going into this field? Even though we love what we do, it's, Mm -hmm. we're passionate about it. Do we actually want to still continue to go into this field knowing the hardships that we're still going to have to face in the future, not just now. <laughs> like when people come in, are they going to respect this? When people leave and they a uh, new management come in, are they going to respect this? Is mm-hmm. if we have to leave to another place, is this going to be a whole nother ball rolling? Oh, we have to start this whole cycle of give me the respect I deserve. I demand this respect. Let's keep going and then doing all that. So I kind of want to go into that with you, especially since you're coaching about it. Um, you've, you know, spoke about it. You've won awards about it. You know, you uh, have this influence on social media. 
to do these things. Um, but I guess before we get all into that, if you don't mind just uh, introducing yourself. Right. Whenever like, you- as in, like a podcast <laughs> introduction? like Yeah, it, it, either or is fine. Yeah, all good. Sorry, I'm like, I just got out of the shower like a few minutes. I literally got out of the shower, got dressed, like, <laughs> like let's fix my hair up. I, honestly, that's exactly, like, literally, it was like, oh, 10 minutes. Okay, wait. <laughs> like, I had everything set up. It was time to do that. So, yeah, I understand. <laughs> no, that's all good. So, hi, everyone. My name is Louise as a party. I am a life coach and mentor for tradeswomen and tradies. And I'm a heavy vehicle and plant mechanic by trade. So, that's where my journey started. Yeah. And uh, what kind of got you into this field? Into mechanics uh, or into coaching? Uh, and well, we'll get into the coaching later, but into the field of mechanics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right nice. Um, so I grew up on a farm. So my parents they have greenhouses, um, or glass houses, um, and they grow. Currently, they're growing tomatoes, and this is the farm that I grew up on. I was always helping my dad, like pick, pack fruit and vegetables, um, but they'd also repair the machinery. And I was always outside. I love being hands-on. And in school, I really couldn't see how what I was learning at school connected to like this business that my parents was running, which had a lot of signs that it was obviously doing very well. And I'm like, I don't, I don't see a connection here. <laughs> um, so I did try and leave quite early on. And my parents were like, no, no, stay, finish like the majority of your schooling. And then if you get an apprenticeship, then you can leave. So over here in Australia, we've got we go by years. And um, so we've got our high school years, which is year seven to 12. Um, and you can leave at year 10. So year 11 and 12 is classed as like senior school. And if you get a job or an apprenticeship or something, you can leave at the end of year 10. And year 10, you're roughly between 14 to 16. Um, so I was like, okay, this is my, this is an exit point that I can take advantage of. Um, so while I was in year 10, I did work experience at my local workshops, places where we brought parts from that knew me already. So I was like, okay, can you take me on for a week of work experience? Um, I did it. I loved it. Unfortunately, the first few places that I did it at didn't have a job for me, but I kept going. I was like, we are, we are doing this. Um, and I ended up meeting Sarah at an apprenticeship expo. So we have expo, I don't know if you guys do it here, like a careers expo where businesses that have jobs yeah. available or apprenticeships available, they all had their stand set up. And I met Sarah and she was a first year heavy vehicle mechanic at the time. And she was like the same height as me, the same build as me. And she encouraged me to do work experience at her work. Um, and I loved it. I loved working on trucks. I loved, you know, I didn't know much about how they worked back then, but starting to know how they worked and being able to say, yeah, I, I, I fix that. I can fix that. Um, so I applied for a job um, at the company she worked at and I got the job and I started my apprenticeship there in 2012 when I was 15 years old. Um, and I loved it. I've completed my apprenticeship there. So it was four years. So at the beginning of 2016, I was qualified as a heavy vehicle mechanic um, and I was 19 years old then and like it wasn't super smooth sailing like there was obviously the ups and downs of it all but I don't regret that decision of leaving school and doing the apprenticeship getting the trade 
at all. Like there's no turning back. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want. This is the work I want to do. Um, I ended up staying where I did my apprenticeship for about half a year after I completed my apprenticeship. And then I moved to a different workshop. And it was just like working on different machines. It was a different vibe because it was quite a large company where I did my apprenticeship. And then where I went to work after that, there was three of us. Um, So we were in a farming district and we would just work on all the machines, all the equipment, the cars, anything that moved or was supposed to move on the farm. (laughs) We fixed it. (laughs) So that was tractors, trailers, all of the irrigators like watering systems like agricultural equipment all of the things so you essentially not only just had to learn the mechanics of uh, a vehicle you also had to learn the mechanics of like the irrigation system that's more like plumbing that's not that that's not you know over here for the automotive that's not something where you deal with steering or anything that's literally trying to figure out where's this water about to flow where are we like bringing this water to and from So that's that's so essentially you learn like three different or industries essentially. Yeah, that's it. Like I started off in heavy commercial vehicles, so on highway trucks, um, and I was working for actually a manufacturer, so it was quite specialized work. And then when I went and worked at this new place um, where there was only three of us, um, I remember my boss saying, "This is where you're going to learn how to be a real mechanic." (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I sure did. I learned so much. <laughs> wow. And like, how was that transition? Because that sounds like that was a huge transition. It was you're specializing into this one particular field, this one particular industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like you said, it was just like a that that only model that that place. And then now you have everything. Like there's nothing that you can really say no to. How was that transition? It wasn't too bad because I was actually working there part-time before I started there full-time. So I would work five days a week at my full-time job. And then I would go on a Saturday and do a full day working at okay. this, this workshop. And I did that for maybe four or five months before I started working there Jumping. full-time. So I knew what I was into um, in for my boss knew what my experience was. And I did take a bit of a pay cut because it was kind of like, okay, we're going to have to teach you a bit. So once you pick everything up, then pay will go back up again. And I was fine with that. I was like, look, this is an amazing learning opportunity. I don't have to go back and do another apprenticeship. So like, don't have to start at the bottom. I'm here as a tradesperson, but just not with experience on this stuff. So yeah, we went in like that. And it was really good because we both, I knew what I was getting into and he knew my skills and experience as well. Right, right. So then at that point, it was it was kind of like you came in, kind of your foot in the door, and so to speak, and they knew your limitations, but they also knew what you were capable of and worked yeah. with that and grew that, which is amazing. That's again, in our field or even in the field of trade, it's very hard to find a companies that will do that small and big like it's very hard to either find companies that are capable to do that or they're willing to do that which those are really two different <laughs> that's two, two different, different things yeah. yeah two different things and most people and are like we- oh willing and capable are similar no <laughs> no they're not some are not capable of doing it some will flat out tell you no I'm not doing that 
that's it. But it's one of those things if you don't ask, then you don't know anyway. Right. And sometimes, you know, you might ask, you might be in a situation where, you know, you might not have experience or say a lot of girls now, um, you know, because there's such a skill shortage, I often encourage girls to be like, if you can't work full-time, ask if you can work part-time, which is a new thing for the trades in general. Like yeah. there's not yeah. openly part-time jobs in trades generally. And I said, yeah. if you don't ask, you don't know. Yeah. And what happens is even if someone says no to you, like you say, can I work part-time or can I learn this? This is my specific experience. If they say no to you, you've planted a seed in their head. And mm-hmm. maybe the next person that asks them that, they might say yes to because they've had some time to think about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it doesn't really benefit you too much, but you might go into a workplace where someone has asked before you and right. then you get that opportunity. So you can plant that seed for other people. Right, right. Like you said, it, it's one of those things, just planting the seed. And then again, you just kind of have to water it. I mean, it, it all starts with that seed and eventually, hopefully someone will kind of grow it to mm-hmm. make it whatever plant is supposed to. But you can't, You're again, you're not going to know if you don't ask. Yeah, and I think and a lot of people are afraid of no, unfortunately. Yeah. Like no is a is a scary word. I think for everybody in general, it's a scary word. So to hear no. Uh, and then be like, okay, well, I guess this is the end of it. Like, no, keep pushing or keep going somewhere that will. Yeah, that's it. And especially like in the environment in trades, like in skilled work we are now, when you're, say, if you're asking for part-time, it's like you can either have me no hours or 20 Mm -hmm. hours. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. what do you want? (laughs) You can have no one or 20 hours of me. (laughs) Right, right. And, you know, I think a lot of companies have now come to be a little bit open to that. Because again, it's like, we now need people. There was a shortage of things. Now there's a a a plentiful amount of stuff. So now it's like, we got to push towards, can we even get you part time? Like, even if you don't, you can't do full time, can we do part time? Because we still need the bodies, we need the people. but then kind of going into that, because you did hint on it, what made you really go into coaching? Because mm. I know that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother beast yeah. to capture. A whole nother pace. Yeah, I um, I actually spoke at a school a few days ago, actually earlier in the week. And like, I saw like a lot of the girls, they, it was a girl specific event. But so many school kids in general are so, have so much pressure on to like decide what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of had three iterations of my career. Like I started out as a mechanic. Oh, we lost her. Hold on. So I think the last question we were talking about was how I got into coaching. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll keep going. Oh, good. Yeah. So like I was speaking at a school earlier this week and it was like a girls event to kind of get them considering careers in STEM in um, like science, technology, maths and engineering. And I, they, they're always so stressed. They always mm-hmm. think that they need to decide what they're going to do for the rest of their lives while they mm-hmm. like, yeah, like right there. And I always tell them that, you know, I've had like three iterations of my career. Like I started off as a mechanic when I was 15 and I did that for about seven years. And then I went into training and assessment, so like technical teaching. And I did that full-time for two years. And then I went into coaching and mentoring. And like I'm 27 now, so I've had three kind of stages 
in my in my career so far. So it's like you're only deciding what you're starting with right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was just something I had to learn because I had like such an identity to being a mechanic. Like it was like I am a mechanic. That is what I that's like my whole being. So like that's transitioning with for the rest of your life, you can't change it type situation. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, and it like even like culturally, like depending on how your family is growing up, like some people like you need to stay in the same job. Otherwise people are going to think you are not reliable. And it's a lot of pressure, especially when you like, you might be sick of a job. You might not like it anymore. Or you might be like, okay, I want to step up in my career. I want to do more. And then creating that like movement. But really like the thing that got me into coaching and mentoring, like specifically like, tradeswomen but I work with tradesmen and like kind of anyone else as well but really like so many companies over here in Australia are saying that they support women that they want to get women in their workplaces and there's this visual that I've kind of seen a lot where they have this their apprenticeship intake so they're saying we're taking on all these are all the apprentices we're taking on this year and look 50% of them are women but they never post the graduation photos because these girls, well, even the boys, it happens to the boys a lot as well, but they go in, they're not supported, they're bullied, their mental health suffers, they can't handle the the low pay. Um, So many different things hit them, but the companies are still saying that they support their apprentices, they support their women. A lot of these things can be supported through so then the apprentices and the women can continue on in the industry you know some people do change their mind it's not what they thought it was so that's fair enough yeah but struggling with your mental health you can get support from that you can be mentored and coached you can be supported to get counseling yeah the financial side of things as well you can get taught financial literacy you can work out how to work overtime you can ask for pay rises um what else that bullying is a big one so like harassment whether it's sexual harassment or just harassment in general like that can be fixed you know you can give the women or the apprentices themselves the tools to stand up for themselves and you can educate the workplace on what is bullying and why you shouldn't do it and how you cannot do it because I do understand that some people like that's how their parents were to each other. Like their dad might've treated their mum like crap. So that's how they grew up learning how to be quote unquote a man. And they don't know any other way. So you can relearn those kinds of things, but businesses can do that kind of stuff. And I was so frustrated when they weren't. And I was like, okay, let's do something about this. So I decided to focus on the people on the floor and giving them the tools they need to make their lives better and to create change in their environment, which is when I become a coach and a mentor for tradeswomen and trades. Gotcha. And one of the things that, um, especially you kind of touched on it, was a lot of the issues that kind of happen within the workplace, because obviously we've now gotten into, uh, I guess, an atmosphere of culture and society where we're, very much so like pro women and and pro this and pro that. And uh, to the people who are coming up, let's 
give a little bit more to them. Let's make sure that they know that we're standing behind them and then kind of behind closed doors or behind some of the things we kind of see dropouts. And it kind of happens throughout the whole trade. Like I know I've heard it in nursing where a lot of times they're like, yeah, we have all these people. And then next thing you know, you like you said, you don't see the uh, the pictures because they don't have all those people anymore. Or, you know, you kind of hear all these horror stories, but no one really is like, they don't talk about it because if they talk about it, then you have to do something about it. And then someone kind of becomes scared about it. Um, mm-hmm. That's it. It's like admitting, like finding the solution means you need to admit you have a problem in the first place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are scared of that. And I think that's also an old school mentality. And I think it's kind of like what you said with being a man's man type situation. Like it's one of those things where it's the old school mentality of I have to do it this way or else people think that I'm a failure. Um, And it's kind of scary to see that it's not only just people who think that it's also bigger companies or it's like companies in general who think, okay, well, we can't show that we have made mistakes in the past. We can't show that we've dropped the ball here and we need to fix it. So instead, we're just going to kind of sweep it under the rug and hope nobody brings it back up. Uh, So then with new recruits or with people who are coming into the field, what do you usually suggest for for people who want to kind of, because I know that's a difficult conversation to have. Like, it, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes down to pay or to, you know, kind of having keeping your mental health is one of those things where you can kind of have easy conversations. But the talk of, yeah, you're going to have to tell your company that they need to to kind of help fix the the bullying aspect and the harassment aspect. It, it kind of is a, a confidence. Uh, it mm-hmm. it kind of gets your confidence a little bit, especially if you're new. Because then your yeah. brain goes, this is a small industry here. Someone has to know someone else. If I speak, I could get blackballed. So and I, I know in America, it's very much so like people will be like, oh, don't say anything because you'll get blackballed from the industry real quick. Is it something yeah. that happens over there as well? Yeah, it tends. To, it's getting a lot better because as more people stand up for you know, what they believe is right, like even if it's, you know, flexible working hours, reasonable conditions, all that kind of stuff. It's if they, like over here, it's like so many people are standing up for that, that if they don't meet those needs, then they don't have the people to do the work Mm -hmm. because they'll go to another industry where they are treated well. Right, right. It's one of those things where like, yeah, you might be, you might be isolated. You might be you might, you know, lose that kind of job, but you got to think of the other side of it. So if you are going to continue being treated like crap, you're probably going to leave anyway. Mm-hmm. But if you stand up for yourself, then, you know, you might leave anyway, which was probably what was going to happen if you kept being treated like crap. Mm-hmm. But if you stand up for yourself and say, hey, this is the issue that I'm facing and this is how I think we can fix it, then you might create change for that company. But it's really looking at it. So there's like kind of, there's two things you can do. You can not stand up for yourself and, you know, say nothing, or you can stand up for yourself. And when you don't stand up for yourself, usually your mental health suffers, your well-being suffers, and you end up leaving anyway. Mm-hmm. You can stand up for yourself and you might end up being 
like pushed out or you might create massive change. Yeah. Yeah. What do you uh, kind of tell people to kind of help with that confidence? Because that is a very much a, uh, one of those things where you can lose confidence fairly quickly whenever you're in that situation. What are some of the yeah. tips that you give people for that? Yeah. So one of the, there's, there's so many things and everyone's got their own flavor on what mm-hmm. gives their confidence. But one thing that everyone can do that is really helpful is literally write a list of the reasons why you belong in the workplace. What value do you bring? Like starting off with, you know, what, how many years experience you have, what qualifications you have, um, what you're passionate about, what you bring to the industry. So if you have that list kind of, you know, physically, and then you have it mentally, like you keep going over it. You're like, okay, this is why I belong here. This is why I am the perfect person for this job. This is why even if I get sacked from this job, I will be able to get another job easily because I have A, B and C behind me and no one can take that away from you. Your skills and experience, they don't fall out of your ear when I I use this often with my, my ladies who go on maternity leave. And they come back and they might be working part-time and their kid gets sick. I'm like, when your kid gets sick, your technical brain does not fall out of your ear. Like Mm -hmm. your kid is sick. That's all that is happening here. And even like when you're getting bullied or that kind of thing and you're going to stand up for yourself, if you stand up for yourself and you get told no, your technical brain doesn't fall out of your ear, right? You still have all your technical knowledge and you're still going to be valued to another company. And the company that takes you on is probably going to be better mm-hmm. and they're going to treat you nicer and they're probably going to respect you more because yeah. they're like, okay, if we treat her badly, then she will leave. Yeah. yeah. So we can't treat her badly because we need her. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget that they do have a, uh, they do have a value, but their voice is um, valuable. I think a lot of people go, oh, well, the company can replace you. No, the company tells you they can replace you, but there are a lot of times where the company doesn't have, uh, even if the company is able to replace you, whatever you did for that company, they will fill, you know, because they have to find a person that will do it. And what happens if you're doing two or three people's jobs, then at that point, you legit have, you've crippled them because now they have to go find two or three people to do that one job or do your job that you as one person did. And most people don't always understand that. And I think a lot of people kind of try to take on a whole bunch of jobs and go, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this in order to show my value. Not realizing that they've made themselves a power horse or, or forced to be reckoned with in yeah. a company that they're not being taken serious at. Uh, so mm-hmm. one of the things, how do you kind of help people understand their power? Because I think that's another thing is people kind of- your sound is coming out. Can you, are you oh. back now? I was okay. like, your sound cut out a little bit, but you're back. No, okay. that's all good. But uh, even like now in the, in the skill shortage, like with the labor shortage, this is like the perfect time to stand up for yourself. Because if yeah. it does go pear-shaped, there's another company like literally down the road that is screaming for people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and that's what, uh, that's kind of thing uh, I wanted to go over is a lot of people don't realize right now their power right now. Uh, what As a skilled do? person, 
as uh-huh. a skilled person, you have a lot of power right now. Yeah, because it, like you said, there's a shortage everywhere. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. matter where <laughs> it doesn't matter where you are. There is a shortage with people in this field everywhere. And you can use it to your advantage because no one really wants to do these jobs. They see how hard it is. It's not easy. It's not easy on your body. It's it's not easy mentally. Uh, And because there's so many shortages, I'm sure there's a lot of pressure from the customers or from the consumer standpoint. If you're working with uh, for a company to company or business to business, there's a whole bunch of pressure there. So what are some of the ways that you tell them to kind of protect their mental? Yeah. So there's a few things. Um, oh yeah, I actually also have my own podcast now where I go through these things in more detail. It's called Anxious Trade Woman. So like there's a few different things. You need to watch the way that you talk to yourself. So your self-talk is so important. If you so often our self-talk, the way that we talk to ourselves, we talk to ourselves so negatively. Mm-hmm. And that takes a massive dent in our confidence. Then there is what we believe about ourselves. So I call this like um, I learned this from another coach, but like your self-concept, what you believe about yourself. And that's where like writing that list comes mm-hmm. into play. Like these are all these things that I believe about myself that no one can take away from me. And if you believe that, you know, some most of the time we believe that we're either average or below average. Right. Um, right. A lot of times we're not. Below, but, yeah. Yeah. But even if you say like, I am a skilled tradesperson and you believe that about yourself, no one can take that away from you. So even if a company says, oh, you're never going to get hired after you leave here, one, bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) And two, like, a lot of the times that will really affect your confidence because you're like, what do you mean no one hired? Like, am I shit? Like, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But if you believe you are a skilled tradesperson, then them saying, oh, you're not going to find a job, no one's going to hire you after this, you'll be like, rightio, mate, good for you. And then go and find another <laughs> job quite easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, looking at those things, the way that you talk to yourself and what you believe about yourself, then your confidence is coming from within you. You're not relying on people to give you praise or to get accolades. Like for those of you who may be watching the video, I have some awards behind me. Um, mm-hmm. But they're they're nice to have. Like honestly, they make me feel really good. But even if I didn't have them, I would still know that I'm I'm a good mechanic. I'm a good coach. I'm a good tradesperson. I'm I'm a good person with or without these awards. No matter what anyone says to me, I know that I mean well in every action that I do and no one can take that away from me. And that it, like you said, it doesn't just fall out your ear. You know, you will always have that knowledge. And uh, I think it's very important what people forget is you are working on that knowledge. So when you go and you're working for this company, it's not that you're losing the knowledge. As a matter of fact, you're probably almost every day learning something to add to that amount of knowledge that you've already had. So when you leave there, you will always leave there more with more information than what you came in with. And like you're kind of like filling up a backpack. It's like Mm -hmm. you know that there's more space in there. You know that there are things that you don't know but you know that you've already got a lot of really, really good stuff in there. So it's yeah. like, I've got all of this good stuff. There is some space in there of things that I don't know. And I'm willing to keep on adding things to my backpack. 
And then it goes to, is this company or is this place that I'm at willing to give me the knowledge that I know that I need? Or am I going to have to go somewhere else and get it? And I think that not only goes for women, but it also goes for men too. And I know like my podcast is centered for specifically women, but I mean, I've worked with a lot of men who, I mean, one of the pieces of advice I got at the last company I worked for as a technician, uh, or as most people call it, mechanic, <laughs> uh, they literally said, um, do what you love because I've already spent 50 years doing what I thought was going to only support my family. I didn't do what I wanted to do. I did what, su- what supported my family all these years. And now mm-hmm. I've gotten to the end and I have nothing else to live for. And if you think about it, a lot of the people that bully, a lot of the people who kind of harass you kind of have that same mindset. If you look at everybody who's older, who comes in, they're like, you're stealing my money. It's because what they did this for was support. And you, you see, you have that face because I think everybody has heard those words. You're stealing my money coming in. You're yeah, yeah, yeah. women are job. stealing the men's jobs. The women yes. are stealing the men's jobs. I'm like, I don't understand. There are not enough men to do the job. So we're not stealing anyone's job. <laughs> As a matter of fact, we wouldn't be here if there was enough of y'all to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and, but the thing is, it's like, it's not a stealing it. Like you said, it's more so we're coming and helping because there's a lot of things where I've, what I've seen and what I've been told by people in the field is like you coming in as a woman, you have benefits and advantages that me as a man don't have. Like our hands are smaller than the men's. That means we're going to get into places that most men cannot get into unless they're smaller. And even yeah. then, I've seen small guys have huge hands because they're, you know, inflate, you know, inflamed from all the work that they did, or they're just just bulky hands. I'm like, how is your hands like that? Can you make a fist anymore? <laughs> and, you know, but it's one of those things where when you also go to a company that absolutely uh, allows you to grow into the mechanic or into the person that you want to be in, in this trade, it's so amazing because of the knowledge that some of the older guys have or older women have. It's like, they give you these tools and it's tools that you never thought you probably would have never gotten those tools had it not been for them because they had to learn it on maybe older vehicles or older, uh, you know, you older tools that we don't have anymore. So it's actually pretty amazing when some people stop thinking like that, the old school way of, oh, women are coming and taking the jobs or, you know, you're taking my money. And whenever they finally kind of go, oh, like you're cool. Unfortunately, you get the words like, oh, you're not here to tame them. Oh, you actually are good at your job. That's my favorite one is, oh, you're really good at your job. You're not like you're here to stay type situation. You're like, really? Like this was all to try to figure out if I was going to stay or all this was here to figure out if I was good enough. And then you you kind of go like that was old school. That was how they did it was they tried to weave people out. So what they did was, is they forced you 
to to prove yourself. Are you strong enough to withstand harassment? Are you strong enough to withstand being bullied? Yeah, and that's it's so ridiculous because like being bullied has like being able to be bullied has nothing to do with being a good technician. Right. Right. Like, like, why are you doing this, guys? Like, you know, if you spent less time bullying each other, you might get more work done and you might get paid more. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's counterproductive, but a lot of these guys, like, this is how they grew up in the trades. Yeah. So then that's how they know, quote, unquote, know how to treat other apprentices, other people. And mm-hmm. it's really sad. It is because then... And the problem was, like you said, they learned it from someone else. So that meant whenever they came into, and a lot of them will tell you, like, once you actually become almost friends with them, they'll be like, oh, yeah, when the person who was supposed to uh, to tell me how to do stuff, who was supposed to, uh, I was supposed to intern under or be the trainer under uh, or trainee under, uh, they told me you're on your own. Like, that's it. And I'm like, well, thanks for not doing that to me, I guess. Like, thanks yeah. for having my heart, I guess. Like, what am I supposed to do with this information? But mm. in a way, we now have to, it's kind of like, you know, family, you talk about family trauma, right? And we talk about generational trauma, but it feels like generational trauma isn't just within families, it's also within work. Because yeah. that meant that that was the older generation giving that previous generation all of this trauma and them going, oh, it worked. <laughs> and then just now passing them down to, to us. And we're just like, I mean, I don't like it, but I guess it kind of works. And then like, kinda, yeah. <laughs> like we now see it and we're just like, do we fix it or do mm-hmm. we, you know, continue? Yeah. Because then it even goes down to like, you know, you might notice that there's something wrong and you might be fully aware that there's something wrong with the system. But then there's not like, oh, I decided to fix it. I'm going to fix it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, do you have the tools to fix it? Do you have the energy to fix it? Like so often, like, you know, you're too busy trying to survive in the system to try and fix the system. You've got no energy left, Mm -hmm. which is why these systems keep going so because no one, everyone's too busy trying to work out what the hell's going on and survive day to day to then try and fix it. Yeah, because basically you have to work on the system outside of the time that you're there. And by the time you get off that one laboring or taxing job, or maybe like for a month, you don't have anything to work with as far as harassment or something, maybe everything's going well for that month. And you're just like, oh, I guess like it's fixed. It's kind of like the 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 curtains have come over you're not seeing the issue anymore so you're like okay I'm tired I'm not doing anything and then it comes back and like I wish I had done something beforehand yeah no it's it really is a very again I don't think either one of us has taken because we both have gone into this field and we know how taxing it is on our bodies how taxing it is mentally just from the job alone that doesn't include what the bullying does. That's just from what if you can fix the vehicle because you didn't have that knowledge or it took you two weeks to figure something out that for someone else, it you saw them, it took them two days or maybe you feel like 
your strength isn't there anymore because it's hot or whatever. Like there are so many layers to it. And then you have to add on, I'm getting bullied because I'm new or I'm getting bullied because of what I look like, or I'm getting bullied just because someone didn't like what I told them two weeks ago. Yeah. Because <laughs> the bully but, may not be just discriminate. It might literally just be, oh yeah, you told me no on the job that you couldn't do for me. And so now I'm going to starve you because yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> ridiculous. And now all the things that we navigate on top of being skilled, like either learning your skill or practicing your skill in whatever trade it might be. Like that's, we, most of us go into these jobs because we want to be mentally challenged and physically challenged. So that's just the plain work of it. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, that uses a good amount of energy. You feel good after you use that, you know, you feel tired enough to have a good night's sleep and all that kind of thing. But then when you're managing bully harassment on top of that, or, you know, this is for guys and girls, cause you know, the, patriarchy or the toxic masculinity system or hypermasculinity, whatever you want to call it, really the only people who succeed in this system are white, rich men who are married. Yeah. And the less of these things that you have, the harder it is. So men that yeah. are divorced, white men that are divorced, it doesn't work for them either. Mm-hmm. You know, black men of colour women then women of color like the further you get away from that ideal like, it's it like you're kind of done in, in that point because you have already things that are checked off I mean like we haven't even talked about what sometimes we've even seen of the pay difference versus you coming in as a man versus a woman we're just talking about what discrimination looked like from the social standpoint that wasn't from a, a financial standpoint it wasn't even from like a, a and away from what is thought to be the skills standpoint that was just from a social standpoint you coming in of what you look like and mm-hmm. you already have to work hard because yeah, I mean it's not even what you look like it could be what you talk like because I've heard people go oh you're from this area okay like you you don't know what you're talking about obviously or oh your background like you came from a poor background you definitely don't know how sophisticated we are it's like that's not (laughs) that shouldn't it's not cool guys it's not cool no it's not like because here's the thing I've met a lot of people who I mean again you come from a, a a farming background that in and of itself is a hard industry because you're understanding how to, again, maintain, like you said, your equipment, that's tools, that's whatever you have to use in order to keep those plants alive. Then you have to learn how to keep the plants alive. Then you have to understand what soil goes to this and what goes over here. And okay, well, the the season may not be the same this year as it was last year. So therefore. We may not have as many crops this year. Okay, well, what does that affect from our financial aspect? Like there's so many levels to farming that most people don't understand that whenever you go into it, it's like, that's hard. So then when you come into another field of like working on these, this equipment, you're like, okay, well, now you got to deal with, okay, how much are these parts? How much are we about to sell them for? 
who's about to work on them? Okay, well, are we going to train them? Are, well, I guess we're going to train them. And now you have, okay, it could be a little bit easier, but obviously it's not a little bit easier because now we're going to put all of these things that you shouldn't have to add on there that we signed to you saying, we're going to treat you equally, but we're not going to treat you equally. <laughs> and yeah. you're just like, huh, <laughs> like I might as well have just stayed where I was because obviously I would have been treated better. I would have had better like mindset of doing this. Not, yeah, not saying it. I would I don't regret like, it. There's so, so many layers to all of this. And, you know, part of the reason why I started my podcast is because I want to like, you know, give as many tools as I can because yeah. depending on your situation, you can use a different tool depending on where yeah. you're at, where your energy at. If are you trying to get from barely functioning to functioning or are you trying to become a leader? Like mm-hmm. I've like everyone's like, cause I'm my podcast podcast for now is a solo podcast, me giving mm-hmm. tools and people are like to me, like, how do you have anything to talk about? And I'm like, I can talk four hours, four days about this kind of thing, all right? We are not going to run out of content. There is so much shit. There's so many layers to these situations. We're just talking about, you know, women here. And, like, I'm a white woman. um, And, you know, women of colour have it different as well. So, you know, eventually when I I run out of things to talk about of all the issues that I've come across and all the things I've learned as a white woman, then... I want to get a woman of color on there and I want her to tell everything. And I want to get a trans woman on there because she's going through something different as well. And, you know, it's, there's so much, there's so many layers. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, most people don't realize that like it's per person. And like you said, it's per issue because what tool you used for this issue, even though it looks similar, may not work for the Mm -hmm. other issue that you're thinking about because that's just not the person that you're dealing with, or that's not the that's not the exact situation that you're dealing with. You may be able to go, okay, well, let's talk about my pay. And the thing that you may be needing to think about is how can I boost my resume? You know, yeah. it, it just depends on who you're dealing with, where are you going in there to talk about, and how willing and how open is the other person to change and how. Mm-hmm. How open are you to change? Because maybe you might be going in there with the issues. What if you may be part of the issue? <laughs> and yeah. now you have to figure out, do you want to change that? Do you want to change with them while they're trying to figure out and work out what they're doing different? Or is this going to be an issue that, you know, potentially is going to be going higher and higher and higher? You just kind of have to, you kind of have to know that and then be open to whatever goes. I guess, Um, which then kind of goes into my next question of how do you tell people or how, what are some of the things you tell people to kind of keep an open mind? Because changes can go either way. It can go good. It can go bad. And sometimes things get worse before it gets better. Yeah. So there's one line that's like open in the coaching world. I didn't make this up, but everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. Mm-hmm. Everyone, even if it's someone who's bullying you, they might, like we refer back, like that's might have been what they were taught when they were a kid. And it doesn't mean that it's okay for them to treat you badly, but they are doing the best they can with what they have. Yeah, that was just the tools they were given. Yeah, the boss who's being a bit of a dick, you know, they might have never had a good boss to learn how to be a good boss from. 
So they're doing the best they can with what they got. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Like there are a lot of leaders who don't have good, good mentorship. It's just, they kind of learned it on the whim. That was it. Yeah. There's leaders who have bad leaders. Like we know Mm -hmm. there's not, unless you're like the peak, the CEO of the thing, like you have a leader above you that you are learning how to be a leader from. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they're not a good leader, then you don't know how to be a good leader. And sometimes it might be the CEO who's a bad leader, but it's one of those things where you got to figure out where the issue is and then try to fix it from that level and then try to move it down. Uh, Because I was actually talking to someone earlier and uh, we were talking about how leadership, it all starts with leadership. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not always the workers. Workers kind of bring their emotions to them because people are human so Mm -hmm. it goes to it all starts with leadership if you want the changes you gotta go to leadership to let them know of the issues but they have to be willing to change yeah they're not willing to change that's Mm -hmm. it and if you're like if you are there's like a concept called managing up so it's like helping your manager or your leader to manage you you can be like hey i'm struggling with this this is what I need to succeed. Mm-hmm. And you hand it to them so then they can give it back to you. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. And kind of give it back to you in a way that will benefit both of you because you can tell them what is wrong and maybe they yeah. don't know how to fix it. So then yeah. it would be like, hey, well, what are some of the ways that we can fix this? Because I've had managers go, well, what do you suggest we do to fix it? Because mm. they've I mean, got no idea. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have any idea, be honest. And if it's something that you'd be like, hey, I would love to figure it out. Be honest with that. It's just one of those Mm -hmm. things where you have to, it goes back to the beginning of what we were saying. You have to plant that seed in order for that to to happen. Whether it is, you know, trying to figure out, can you go part-time? Whether it is, um, there is a situation out in the shop or a situation out with a customer or whatever, or what sales or what parts and we need to figure out how to move this forward and how to fix this it all depends on what you're doing where you're going what you need in order to be successful but you have to let them know that you can't yeah. just kind of sit on your hands sitting on your hands unfortunately does nothing to help you or anybody else in that situation yeah that's it and yeah you got to keep going you got to like yeah you know if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Everyone yeah. is always doing the best they can with what they got. And, yeah. you know, just remember the power that you have, like especially in the industry right now with the skill shortage, with sure. the labour shortage. Like that's something that definitely keeps me going. Like I started a business coaching and mentoring tradesmen and tradies. I was one of, there's a few, I've got a few friends that are doing similar things now as well, but no one had done what I was doing. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, in the negative bank account, I was getting told no a lot. But the power that I like, you know, I'm I'm a technical trainer. There are so many people, like I go on my LinkedIn and there are ads for technical trainers like no tomorrow. I'm a mechanic by trade. There are ads taking on mechanics, like any any workshop that I visit, they're like, we can't take you on as a as a mentor, but would you like a position in our workshop? Like And I know that like, that's part of, you know, that allows me to be like, okay, if this gets really hard, if I get proper broke and not be able to make any money, I'm just going to, I'll be able to get a job tomorrow. Yeah. I've got the skills. 
I mean, and it's not like you, it was not the fact that you wanted to have a, a backup, but you have a backup just in case. But yeah. you knew that this was not only important, but it was something that you needed and wanted to do. And you mm-hmm. also know how to navigate it because you spent time, you spent what basically a total of nine years developing those skills and learning it and understanding, okay, this is what I have to do in order for me to be successful at it. And you just kind of pushed and went with it and was just like, okay, well, it's now or never <laughs> at this point. It's now or never. And really, it's so funny because my body does this thing. I I feel like it's an, almost an out-of-body experience. When I am at a job and I don't like it anymore, I'm not getting along with someone, it's going against my values, I cannot help but be a total smartass to the point yeah. where I borderline get sacked because I'm just such a smartass. And I'm like, Louise, why did you say that? And it's just like, you just can't hold it in. I'm like, my brain is like, literally, if you don't decide to leave, we're going to get you sacked. <laughs> yeah yeah well and I honestly I, I I do that same thing like it's one of those things where you know and you feel like you need to leave but it's just like okay listen I it's because of this I don't want to do this I don't want to do that and you're and it's like your whole body your whole being goes listen you're gonna have to leave or we're just we're about to get you fired I can let you know that now <laughs> and you know like you have that conversation with yourself like you you know you're about to get fired right like you're going to have to make some type of change or like, which means we're going to have to leave because there's no staying as an option. You do know that. (laughs) Your body gives you so many signs. Like one of my clients, like she's an apprentice mechanic as well. And um, she was so exhausted. She had a lot going on in her personal life, a lot going on at work. And she was like, I need to rest. And she's like, but I can't because I've got AB attention. I'm like, Mm -hmm. cool. Like trying to get her to see that, that she needs to rest. She was opening her car door and she managed to use her car door to whack herself in the head and get a concussion. And I'm like, if your body is not telling you, you need to rest more than this, I don't know what is. I don't know. I'm not laughing because she gave herself a concussion. I hope she's okay. But the fact of the matter is I think everybody has gotten to that point where even their body just goes, I'm done. <laughs> like, yeah. like that was literally yeah. her body going, I'm done. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't want to do this no more. I need, I need sleep. I like, yeah. I, I need rest. Like if you're not going to go to sleep, we're going to knock you out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally. But like. When she told me, I was like. Girl, but you didn't see the sign? That was a sign. <laughs> that was a, that was a, that was a stop sign. That was a red light. That was like. Your car turned off. Your battery went dead. That was it. <laughs> there was every single sign you could think of. It was gone. But, and the thing is, is it, it's also a mental thing, right? Like whenever we get off the job and we just literally just shut down. Uh, I've done it where like towards the end of jobs where I'm like, I really don't want to be here anymore. You literally go. I don't want to be here anymore. Like you get off work and you just like, you're done. <laughs> like almost you forget the clock out because you're ready to leave type situation. Yeah, running out the door. <laughs> yeah, like is it time yet? And you're just like, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm done. I don't even want to try to finish this job right now. I just want to leave here because I, I can't anymore. 
Usually when you get to that point, that's a whole sign you don't need to be there anymore. Or even going back to what we were talking about before, like, you know, you can be scared to stand up for yourself because you Mm -hmm. think you're going to get blackballed or isolated. But really, if you don't stand up for yourself, then you end up generally end up in this point that we're talking about now where you're checked out. And, you know, you might end up burning bridges anyway because you're being a smart ass, you're not caring, like that kind of thing. But if you do push, it is scary to stand up for yourself. But if you do stand up for yourself, there's the chance that it can get better. But if you don't, then it's just going to keep getting worse. Like you might as well prepare to leave because that's literally what you're doing, whether or not you are intentionally doing it uh, or just subconsciously doing it, you eventually are going to leave. And it's really kind of up to you to figure out how you're going to leave. Because again, like you said, you could burn bridges and you can never come back. Um, or you literally get to a point where people kind of have a, a, a preconceived notion about you. Like, oh, this person is like this whenever they don't want to be here, or whenever they want to do this. Uh, and they Or they didn't give me the opportunity to change or whatever, because sometimes that will also be said. So it really is one of those things is how much do you really want to stay there and try to fix it? Or do you want to just kind of leave? And I mean, it's like you said, it goes back to having that confidence, but also kind of knowing yourself and listening to yourself whenever it gets to that situation. Because if you don't listen to yourself, there's no reason to to even try to go through with this is. More so, go ahead and leave or understand the consequences of kind of your actions whenever you accidentally get yourself fired, <laughs> literally. That's it. Well, I think we've covered so much. Like we said, like we can talk about this for hours. Oh, my um, gosh, yeah. But we've covered a lot of ground. And I think like even with people, you know, knowing that, you know, if you don't ask, then the answer is always going to be no. If you yeah. don't leave, if you don't stand up for yourself at a job where you're being treated badly, then you're going to end up checking out or struggling with your mental health, that kind of thing as well. And, you know, your confidence comes from within you. No yeah. matter, no you know, like I said, we, we, the, there's the, you know, rich white uh, man that's married, like the further you get away from that, then generally the harder shit is for you. But, you know, your confidence comes with from within. Yeah, yeah. No one can take that away from you. No system can take your internal confidence away from you. And unfortunately, no one can give it to you but yourself. So you have to work on it to 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 give it. And uh, but if you don't mind, let everybody know how they can find you, and let everybody know uh, about your podcast and where they can find that as well. Yeah. So. Um, you can find me, there's a few places. So I'm Louise as a party coaching on Instagram, uh, Louise as a party on Facebook. And I've got a Facebook community called Tradeswomen Owning Their Power, which is for tradeswomen, women wanting to get into the trades and the people that support us. Um, and then I've also got my podcast called Anxious Tradeswomen. And it is on most platforms. And I've also got the videos up on YouTube as well. If you're one of the people who like to watch podcasts, um, the videos are up on YouTube as well, just under my name. Um, but yeah, Anxious Tradeswoman is the podcast. Anxious Tradeswoman. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it, it's, again, so great to to not only follow you, but to always have these conversations with you. 
Um, and I, again, congratulations on everything that you've achieved since the last time we talked. I mean, everything from your awards to uh, you building your brand out there. Uh, and I know the people that you coach have gotten so much help and uh, just some of the stuff that you've told me, again, I kind of take with me anyway. So it, it's absolutely amazing. And I do absolutely love talking to you every time we do get the, a chance to talk. <laughs> yes, definitely. No, it's not as often as we'd like, but it's yeah. always a good time. <laughs> it's always a good time. I think last time we really did go for hours. <laughs> yeah. so we, we did go for hours. But yeah. uh, uh Again, uh, we'll always keep in touch. Hopefully one of these days, either I come all the way over there, you come all the way over here. I don't know. So we're going to work on my list, like In the next few years, I want to come to um, Women Build Nations. That, the I conference over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's in my, in my goal for the next few years to like come for that. I wanted to come this year, but things might not line up for me. But in the next few years, I definitely want to go and I want to see that. I, and that's actually one of the things that I wanted to do was uh, to kind of get a little bit more into going to these conferences because it's really, it is amazing, especially if you're in the trade uh, or any trade, go to a conference. It really is a great way to connect and to find mentorships and coaches and things of that sort. Uh, but again, thank you so much. I know you have to get ready for tomorrow yes. and everything. Uh, but I hope everything goes well for you as well with that as, uh, too. Yeah. Thank you. All good. All right. Well, I'll talk to you next time. Absolutely. See ya. See you later. That was the interview with Louise Astropati. I know I'm probably saying her last name correct incorrectly, probably saying her whole name incorrectly. It's horrible. I'm bad with names. I'm bad with words. I'm just bad over around. But I do hope you enjoyed that episode, that podcast. I hope you learned a lot from um, learning how to build your confidence and what it. Sometimes it's it is as as uncomfortable as it is. Um, and to be completely honest with you, it's just one of those things that we have to work on as humans excuse me, or as people. And it's one of those things where as we do it, we get more confident with it. I mean, if I put out my first episode as a podcaster and you listen to how I've grown from then to now, I mean, it's day and night. I don't sound as, I don't even know how to do it. I don't even know how to do the voice I was using um, as a podcaster before, but compared to now I feel like I sound a lot more happy talking in a room by myself like I sound like I'm happy being alone I know that sounds depressing oh oh how do I say that better I sound more confident as a podcaster not I sound happy being alone I'm not happy being alone but anyway I hope you enjoyed that episode. Let me know your thoughts about it. What are some of the things that you do to keep your positivity or your confidence in the workplace? And how? what are some of your best uh, pieces of advice as a person who is starting out in this field to better their confidence in being in this field? Let me know. 
and the next person who likes and follows not only me but I will be asking Louise if y'all have followed her and let's just do hashtag automotive confidence if you do that and report and tag both of us then I will shout you out in the next episode if not the episode after that like basically you will get a shout out and I will make sure to tag you back in it as well all right but hope y'all have a good rest of y'all's week and hope to talk to y'all later bye